doing? I wasn't even sure I'd get to this point and I'm trying my best still to social distance from March. It's been an interesting week with AFL discussions and sports worldwide. It feels like we're teetering on the verge of a tipping point in sports where things can fall in any direction. We're all like virtually sitting in a medical waiting room waiting for news of any kind. To hub or not to hub has been a big question right now, and there are so many facets to consider, and I know it's never going to be like a one-size-fits-all situation for teams, players, and their loved ones, but I've also read that the 18 AFL clubs are confident that the $40 million hubs won't be needed in order to restart like our season for 2020. There was also an offer from the Northern Territory about potentially playing games there where crowds would actually be permitted. Looking into the future, the league has declared that AFLW will definitely be back next year, so that's really great news. But clubs that are kind of seeking admission to AFLW in terms of like expansion plans are just not sure if that will delay their entry. There's been a lot of warnings for 2021 and a lot of like preparing for the game to just emerging in a vastly different form once Corona has passed like as a crisis both on and off the field so that'll be kind of an interesting thing when we eventually get there Um, and the AFL chairman Richard Goiter recently released a statement saying that all 18 clubs will survive this crisis so there's actually been a lot of urgent decisions in terms of the NBA here too I think it's more challenging in some ways because there's so many owners and players to consider in terms of like hubs and they have to reach like a level of cooperation. So there's been so much like rethinking and reevaluating in the last few weeks. I know that MGM came out with the possibility to host a hub like on a blocked off portion of the strip in Las Vegas. And I know Disney World has kind of been thrown into the mix in Florida too. They've pushed out the date to May 8th, which is just a few days from now in terms of further conversations. And I think that's been targeted also as an earliest date for opening practice facilities where stay-at-home orders maybe have been eased. And as far as that, like NBA and WNBA um, on potentially like a strip quarantine block of Las Vegas, I know that Mandalay Bay has like the capability to host a hub and they've talked about building 24 basketball courts where they can utilize like five for telecasting and the others for practice. So that's just been kind of like interesting developments. Also, I'm uneasy is probably the best way to describe like how I feel about 31 states potentially easing restrictions this week before I feel like we're ready from a health perspective. I think I'm just constantly fluctuating these days between feeling encouraged by sometimes the cases that are confirmed going down, but the stats also with like anxiety, it's still really, really scary. And I just really hope that the people who are in a position to make decisions will ultimately do what's best for everyone in the long term. And I am more hopeful now, though, that COVID cases seem to be decreasing in Australia. So I think it's now more likely than ever that we will get an AFL season back to some degree. And as for New York now, I don't think I mentioned that, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was actually heading downstairs in my building to just grab a package and I was waiting for the elevator. And when the doors opened, I was really surprised to see someone in it because we're all just like avoiding each other. And I think he was actually equally surprised. Um, And we're now on this level of like social awkwardness where, 
it's kind of weird to just have like a meet cute with someone in the building. And I, in my inner monologue, I'm just like, oh God, well, I guess I'm taking the stairs, but I accidentally like said it out loud. And then, you know, he was like, no, it's okay. You can come in. And we both kind of awkwardly just like Blair witched it in our corners. So um, he actually told me he's already had the virus and basically to do everything I could not to get it uh, because it's like the worst experience that he had been through. And since then, um, twice ambulances have actually pulled up to our building to take someone away. So that's really the only street activity you hear these days besides that 7 p.m. clap off that I mentioned in the last episode. So it's really just the occasional siren and it's sobering really um, like reality wise how that hits so close to home for me. The struggle is still real for PPE, uh, personal protective equipment for our essential workers and Masks are now required when you go out um, and in like the grocery stores here. So as for what I'm quarantine streaming and like quarantainment, if you aren't already watching The Last Dance, you really should. It's so well done as a documentary. And I think we all forget just how great Michael Jordan was in his day and even now into his legacy. So no spoilers, but if you want to watch just one of the best sports docs I've scene, you can get it on ESPN in the States and on Netflix abroad. And you guys, (laughs) AFL Evolution 2. Okay. I never played the first one, so I don't have anything to compare it to, but you know, I've heard what everyone has thought about it in terms of graphics and um, just kind of how much they've played it or just how like marketable they thought it was. And I didn't even know that we had a PS4 because my boyfriend, Andrew has, you know, always had it packed up, but I was all about that game when I knew it was coming out. And we've played FIFA a few times since I discovered (laughs) the PS4 um, being here and obviously in our own like isolation, but I really just wasn't as into that because, you know, that's not my sport. And we just got the game AFLE 2 and busted it out yesterday and it's better than I expected. I mean, there's a lot of controller instructions to remember for each position, but I mean, I'm not mad about it and I'm probably honestly going to play more (laughs) after I record. In terms of podcasts, I'm a true crime fan, so feel free to recommend anything out there that you're also listening to and maybe what you're corn streaming and what you're doing for entertainment. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and Twitter is just aflobsessed. And I recently just got an Instagram, so that's just aflobsessed also. So I'm going to be using that quite a bit more now. But in terms of what I'm listening to now for podcasts, I just wanted to mention the Outer Sanctum. I mean, where have you ladies been in my sports life? So it's a group of, I think, six initially, but now 10 like accomplished women talking about footy and all of the wider issues encompassing the sport. And I honestly feel like I'm sitting and just having a coffee with like a group of friends while they're discussing really relevant topics. So check that out if you aren't already listening, The Outer Sanctum. And now let's talk about differences from AFL to American sports because you know how much I love to compare them. So the NFL draft happened since our last episode, and it was really interesting to see like the human side of the sport, I think. It reminds me of all the conference calls we're on now and where you get to see like your colleagues in their homes and 
how, you know, we all go about like daily life. So there's been a lot of discussion recently about potentially raising the AFL drafting age from 18 to 19, or in Dima's case, um, Damien Hardwick wants that raised to 20, just so that it won't interfere with, um, you know, their difficult studies and in order to separate the football development of younger players from their final school year. And typically you don't go from high school to pro here. Not that it hasn't happened before, but, you know, our system is very different here, especially with football and basketball, where we have collegiate programs in place where you basically just watch an athlete's growth and development over time. I actually really enjoy that part of it because they're playing, you know, in all these conferences. And I think the advantage really is just being that we can identify the potential before they go pro. Whereas in Australia, I feel like it's a bit of a gamble with the AFL. And the other difference that I wanted to talk about is just the older tradition of swapping Guernseys after the grand final. It's an older tradition that I think reflects like the respect and hard work. So right after the grand final win, previously players from each team would just swap their Guernseys and, you know, as a sign of that respect for the hard work to get there, but they don't actually give them back. And I know they don't do it anymore, but I just felt like it was a great way to show good sportsmanship in a dignified way. But there is an infamous photo of a particular team in 1966 where the captain was wearing his opponent's Guernsey when he went to accept the cup and said everyone afterwards thought that the other team had won. So in keeping with AFL history and the timeline of AFL clubs, that brings us to the sixth club, St. Kilda, with this familiar theme song. Oh, when the Saints go marching in, oh, when the Saints go marching in, oh, how I want to be with St. Kilda, when the Saints go marching in. notice that the club song is an adaptation of When the Saints Go Marching In, and the song was recorded in 1972 and released as a single, and it was recorded with all copyright and like royalty agreements in place, so the AFL does have permission to broadcast it publicly at each match. So St. Kilda as a footy club was established in 1873, so their 150th is also coming up in a few Their colors are red, white, and black, and they're known for winning only one flag in their history, and they won that by one point. So their notable players, um, Trevor Barker, Tony Lockett, Danny Frawley, um, Nikki Winmar, and Daryl Baldock, and Robert Harvey, who's a dual Brownlow medalist, and... As for notable coaches, Alan Jeans, who actually coached that premiership team, and recently Ross Lyon. And our spotlight segment from the last episode, Peta Searle, she's the coach of the AFLW team. So I'm just going to throw her in there. 
And my favorite retired player, Nick Revolt. And my favorite current player, I feel like they have a lot of recruits from other clubs in the last couple of years. So I'd have to say Seb Ross. Um, Sebastian Ross, he won their best and fairest last season. And his birthday is actually coming up. So happy birthday, Seb and Iso. And there is a series of documentaries um, called The Final Story, but there's one called The Final Story 1966, and that's actually about St. Kilda's only one winning premiership in their history that I mentioned. And um, the premiership captain, um, who I also mentioned, Daryl Baldock, he was really reluctant to trade jumpers. Um, I mentioned that photograph earlier. He was really reluctant to kind of trade jumpers right after the win, but for the sake of posterity, he felt like it was like the right thing to do. So it was a decision that um, as captain, he says he later regretted because there have been no St. Kilda premiership photographs to kind of rectify the moment since he's accepting it in like a Collingwood Guernsey. But funnily enough, like following that premiership, the VFL ruled that the winning captain was no longer allowed to swap Guernseys, just the captain. So that probably because of that fact. And I also thought it was interesting that the 1966 premiership marked the first time that a side had ever done a lap of honor following a grand final triumph, which is something we expect now. Like after a big win, you know, the fans want, and I actually just really enjoy seeing that lap of honor from the winning team and with their cop and just kind of that level of engagement, but also a celebration. But it's funny that that wasn't something that was always done. And so for the spotlight segment this week, um, which actually was inspired by the Outer Sanctum, and that is Dr. Helen Milroy. And she is Australia's first Indigenous doctor. And she has an extensive background in child and adolescent psychiatry with specialties in trauma and mental health. And in 2019, she became the AFL's first Indigenous commissioner. And she was the third woman on the current commission at that time. And she has served on several state and national mental health advisory committees and boards with a particular focus on the well-being of children. And she's also a commissioner with the National Mental Health Commission in Australia. So AFL Chairman Richard Goiter has said that Helen brings the highest level of clinical and policy experience in the important areas of health, mental health, and Indigenous affairs to the game's governing body. So for that, we applaud you, Dr. Helen Milroy. And if you'd like to send in a spotlight segment, feel free to share their name with me. Again, my email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and Twitter is just aflobsessed. You guys know I love doing that research and learning more about the individuals that contribute to our favorite game in their own ways. And it doesn't have to be a woman. Um, I think that's just been some recent you know, inspiration and also just nominations that have come my way. So thanks for hanging with me. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Check in on your friends and neighbors and, you know, we'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.